Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Funky Monkey MMA. I am Kane Miller, and with me we have Dave Madden and the head of our site, Rob Mead. Our guest today is an undefeated amateur fighter who competes in the featherweight division, who recently picked up his fourth straight win. Please help me welcome Blake Benson. Blake, thanks for being here. Thank you, man. It's good to be here. Now, you're still uh, very early in your MMA career, being 4-0 and as an amateur. I'd like to know how you initially got involved in the sport in the first place. It's a long story in a way. I started off back when I was a kid in Taekwondo, and I competed in that for a couple of years. Did a couple of uh, national tournaments for the Olympic sparring program for that Taekwondo offers. Stopped doing that for a while and uh, ended up playing basketball for years. Got a really bad knee injury and couldn't do basketball anymore, and I decided I just uh, I started boxing for uh, down at this little gym called Overcome. Uh, Jim West actually was running the jiu-jitsu program down there and uh, introduced me into it while I was still on crutches because I was on crutches for about two years after my uh, my big injury. And uh, and one day I came in and they uh, saw the entire MMA team. They were all sparring at the time. And they invited me to come in and start sparring with them and uh, got knocked out my first uh, my first round in there. And when I woke up, I was actually laughing and uh, just fell in love with it from there. Uh, hooked up with Jim after that. We went down the Wolfson MMA, met Dave, and uh, MMA Gold started after that. And I was I was on it from the beginning. Oh, nice. And, yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, meeting Jim West and uh, eventually uh, transitioning over into MMA Gold. And we've spoken with a few of your teammates before, and there are quite a lot of uh, young prospects currently training there. Can you tell us what it's like uh, training with so many talented up-and-comers? Yeah, uh, it's incredible. Uh, especially at the beginning, we only had – we were just an amateur team at first. When we when the MMA Gold first started, there were no real pros on the team. So we all kind of built each other up and sharpened iron with iron. It, and now we have a team of, like, 40 guys, and I can't go in on any day and not get beaten at somewhere at something. It's it's just a team of incredible guys that you can't help but get better by training with them. Yeah, that was pretty cool because uh, you you really brought it back to you know the very beginning. I mean, you were like part of that membership number one with MMA Gold, and uh, you know that that's that's so cool to see it grow to to what it is. And how old are you? I'm 20. I started training when I was about 14 years old. Right, gotcha. And so the reason I ask is because MMA Gold's like about three or four-ish years old. It's like right in there. And, uh, you know, you still being an amateur, I was like, man, you know, you are 4-0. Uh, 
you know, I hate to rush you, but like, man, what's taking you so long? Why are, why are we pro yet? <laughs> I, um, I, I was unfortunate enough to receive some very major injuries early on in my career. I kind of hinted at it at first when I was, uh, when I first started training, I was actually on crutches, um, started boxing on crutches, um, due to a really bad knee injury that I had received when I was uh, in middle school. Uh, I spent two years on those things. So my first about year of training, I was actually just training on one foot and uh, just doing what I could and then slowly started transitioning into jiu-jitsu. And then shortly after I uh, I fully got into it, started really getting into it, I was only – I was really young. It was hard to get fights for a under-18 fighter. And I uh, ended up getting a couple concussions in the early on in my career. And then uh, another knee injury ended up pushing me back even farther. And uh, it's only been recently that I've been able to actually start back and doing back-to-back fights. And uh, now I'm just trying to get experience. And I have experience training and doing sparring all the time, but nothing beats actually being in the cage. And I want to make sure that I am completely comfortable going in there, that I perform the same way I do in the gym. And, you know, Blake, I'm not trying to rush you at all into the pro idea. Uh, I guess the reason I hint that direction is because in your last fight at West Coast 17, uh, you uh, and Andrew Chavez were the two amateurs representing MMA Gold. And then there were like four uh, pros from your team representing. And the amateurs, I, I told Dave Hirschbein, the, the manager of MMA Gold, I told him how y- you guys looked. Not that the pros didn't look ready, but, man, you two looked like you just wanted it so bad. And, you know, when you went in there and, and actually did the damn thing, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever gotten a crowd that electrified, but, you know, I think I think out of all the fights that then happened, you yours was the loudest. <laughs> I actually, I couldn't tell how loud it was. I was still, I was still stuck in my head after that win. But, um no, I, I actually watched a quick video on it. It was it was really really loud, uh, but you can't help but get real excited and get that aura about you, especially when you're fighting for free. We go in there, and especially <laughs> as amateurs, we train what six hours a day, almost six days a week, and then we go out there and we fight for free. We're just going out there to have some fun and get some experience in before we go pro. You have to have a passion for it, just going into it. Or else it's just, none of us would be here if we didn't love the sport. We don't do it for the money. I mean, we want to make money doing it, but we don't do it for the money. Totally. And that place was rocking. And I'm going to tell you, because the media uh, press row was about 50 to 75 feet back. So uh, I was also behind a wall. Um, So, you know, I could definitely hear the noise from way back where I was. I, it looked more fun where where you were up close to the cage, but um, you know. Anyways, it was it was awesome and great, man. Great performance for sure. Much appreciated. It was a ton of fun. I'm excited to go back and fight them again too. It's gonna be a good time. You talked about how you train uh, six hours a day, and, you know, six days a week. How do you keep drive alive? You know, when you hit those walls, your body wants to quit. How, how do you keep yourself mentally prepared for one in the cage? It, it goes back to just loving what you do. I mean, nobody nobody loves every day that they practice. I mean, 
the day-to-day training is going to obviously kind of start to wear on you over time. But we all get our days where we have a break. And after I fight, I usually make sure to take some time with my family and get back to my roots as far as hanging out and making sure that I assess why I'm here and I assess why I'm doing this. But I wake up every morning and I'm thinking about this sport. I wake up every morning wondering what I can do to make myself better. Not a day goes by that I don't think about this sport. So it's it's less of a of a of a chore for me and more of something that I just love to go do. That I feel blessed that I can wake up every morning and go do what I love versus having to go and sit in a office chair or a desk chair all day and be stuck doing that. Because if I had to choose a job, I'd much rather be doing something I love every day. And that's kind of the thing that keeps me pushing forward. It's really funny Rob asked you that because in your fight, if if you know they don't have it up on YouTube yet, hopefully soon. But had we seen it, uh, you know, where I was pointing out how great the show was. I mean, in that first round, uh, you were facing this kid, Jordan Mappa, Mappa out of uh, the scrap pack. And, I mean, that kid had some boxing skills. And, I mean, he was catching you quite a bit in that first round. You were never wobbled, but, you know, he was, he was catching you a lot. And, I, you know, I wondered what kind of advice you got in between the, in between the rounds because you came back in the second round and it only took 19 seconds to, you know, drag him down and, and choke him out. So uh, it was an incredible show in that sense of you showing resiliency and, and battling back from, you know, wanting to maybe give up, you know, or, or what could go into someone's mind like that. Well, I remember the first thing that happened when I came in and sat back down. I, I knew I had lost that first round and uh, I knew that Jordan hit like a freaking truck and uh Jim sat down next to me and he just said, you got to take this fight to the ground. You can't let this continue. And uh, my other trainer, MF, said that he didn't have an answer for my kick. So that's why I came out in the very beginning and just blasted him with the kick. But the other thing I thought was I had, uh, I had another coach, my guy, pull me aside before the fights, and he had told me, no matter how bad it hurts, no matter how much you get hurt, no matter what you go through, keep pushing because you're one of the toughest kids I know. And I had to remember, and I hearkened back to – kind of in the very beginning of my training when I was training on crutches and when I was training through all these injuries that I've had to experience leading up to where I am now, the pain that I was experiencing in that beginning of the fight was nothing in comparison. So going out there and knowing that I had to show why I'm here really helped me get through that. And knowing I needed to get him to the ground because once I get to the ground, I'm a very, very comfortable fighter. I'm really confident in my stand-up, but Jordan Mappa was, he was skilled. He was skilled standing up and he was getting the better of me. So taking it to the ground was the right decision. And, um, you know, you've been talking about uh, a bit earlier in your amateur career, and I noticed that while I was watching your, uh, your very first fight, the rules were that you could not strike your opponent in the head. Um, and I know that for uh, amateur organizations, the rules kind of vary from state to state, um, just depending on what athletic commission they have. So can you yeah. talk about why this rule was implemented? Uh, is it just for fighters making their debut, or is it something specific? Yeah, it was – well, I wasn't 18 at the time. That that was why it oh, was okay. what it was. Um, as an under-18 fighter, you're not allowed to strike to the head. And I kind of like to call them glorified – they're glorified grappling matches, really. Uh, they really get you out there just to get used to being in the cage and being in front of a crowd. Uh, but, yeah, I couldn't strike to the head just because I was under 18. And – uh because of all the laws that MMA is such a new sport still, they didn't want to have that liability of a minor hurting a minor. Yeah, of course. And how was the training process for that fight then, given that the, you had these specific rules that you had to keep in mind? 
no different. Trained exactly the same that I would for anything else. Uh, just have to be smart when you go in there, and you have to be conscientious of the fact that you can't strike them to the head. Just like in the gym, I'll train elbows and I train knees to the head, but I'm not allowed to do that necessarily as an amateur um, as of right now. But it doesn't mean that I can't work those strikes. I just have to, when I'm fighting, have the wherewithal to know that I can't throw those strikes. So it was more of just you have to be conscientious of where your strikes are and how you're throwing them. That's interesting because there's an argument of, you know, with amateurs of like, just exactly like you said, you train the strikes, but then you have to keep in mind to not use the strikes. And then the, the reverse is, I think kind of like Kane was saying is, well, do you train without these strikes? So I, I think that's the other counter is, well, you train without those strikes to then not be in the mindset to use them. Um, or I guess it sounds like you're just, you, you, you're in the mindset of just, you can control it, you know, which, you know, in the heat of the moment, I don't see how you guys can do that. But my my whole thought on that is just that, I mean, our ultimate goal goal is to go pro. My ultimate goal is to fight in the biggest shows and do this as a career. And if I'm not preparing myself to throw all the strikes that I'm supposed to be able to throw when I do go pro and when I do make this a career, then I'm going to be underprepared by the time I get there because I can guarantee you that someone else is training those strikes. Now, uh, when it's about ten minutes before your fight, you know you're you're backstage. You know you hear the crowd out there roaring. What's going through your head in that moment? It it's kind of varied each time. Uh, but my main thing that I try to do is uh, I, I try to bring myself. I try to hide within myself. If that makes any sense, I will. Uh, I start focusing really heavily on my breathing. Uh, I try to tune out all my teammates and all pretty much any outside influences. I try to hide from in my own mind, and I. Uh, I just close my eyes. I say a little prayer and uh, kind of withdraw into myself. And as as we draw closer and closer, I make sure to kind of focus because I'm trying to ride that wave of adrenaline. And I try and let that adrenaline slowly build up until it's at an appropriate point. And uh, so that way, by the time I walk out in the cage, I don't notice the crowd. I don't notice anything else except for my opponent that's standing in the cage. So it's more of just a a hide within myself. I focus on little things, either breathing or how I'm going to go out there, the feeling of the concrete on my feet, um, little things. I've already done all the preparations I need to get my body ready. You know, you talked about, you know, it sounds like you visualize. And do you uh, do any visualizing leading into the fight as well, like, you know, throughout your camp? Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, that's, that's something I take really seriously um, going up into a fight. Um one of my favorite, not my favorite thing to do, but something I enjoy doing, uh, especially when you're on your last week of the fight or before the fight and your body's all beat up and you can't train as much as you normally do because you have to let your body be recovered and ready for the fight. I like to sit and just visualize that walk out to the cage. And I like to visualize how I do my, how, how that fight's going to go. Um, in any number of ways, whether it's winning by submission, by TKO, by knockout. Uh, but I like to visualize what I'm going to do in that fight and how I'm going to walk out to the fight and the feeling of everything that's going to come up. So that way, when I do finally end up facing those situations and walking out to the cage, I've already experienced it. I've already, I've already gone through those motions. That I know what to do when I run into them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you're obviously you're very involved in the sport, uh, you've been training for such a long time. How closely do you follow the sport just like on a professional level? Do you have any like favorite fighters who are currently competing or anything like that? For the longest time, my uh, 
my favorite fighter was GSP. Uh, not because of his style or because of uh, his weight class or how he fought. It was, I liked him because of the person that he was, and I liked him because he had faced a similar, he faced a real bad knee injury a few times and kind of came back from that. And I kind of like, personally identified with him there. And I like that he came up from nothing to uh, to the fighter that he was. But I had grown <laughs> up watching the fight, watching UFC. My stepdad introduced me to it. And um, I kind of, I, I never really had a favorite fighter, though. I, I just, I watched and I loved watching and gleaming from it what I could. But I never, I never really did have a favorite fighter of anybody. I just enjoyed the experience of it and just watching it and being around it. Yeah, yeah. It's almost more like an observational uh aesthetic to it instead of like having you know like picking a side or something you just enjoy the sport for what it was exactly yeah okay yeah and then kind of piggybacking on that idea of the sport and you know in the UFC now it's not just about the win it's it's like what's your persona behind the win and uh Mm -hmm. one is are you the Blake Benson or are you the Blake Benson (laughs) um actually everybody gets this wrong um, that nickname came from one of my buddies who's now passed away and I kind of carry it as a, as a reference to him, but the, the, it's, it's the, and then Blake is actually drawn out, but I don't write it that way just because it would be real annoying. But my friend, whenever he would call me, it was the Blake with like an extended lake at the end. And, uh, I would say it's the Blake, but yeah, it was like the Blake was what I was called. Because, well, on your Facebook, too, it's the, like, two E's, and uh, it's written in yeah, different Yeah, well, places, the only thing is like that on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook uh, doesn't let you make a real word as a name. So I tried when I switched uh, it. One of my coaches told me I should switch it up, and uh, he didn't think I would actually do it, so I did it. And uh, <laughs> when I changed it, it wouldn't let me do the. I tried like a hundred times and I tried changing up the spelling of it and I, it just wouldn't let me do the, so I had to add an extra E and then it was like, Oh, that's a name. I'll take that. <laughs> that's funny. Was, you know, and I know that in this age of like, we were just, I, I was saying of MMA, you got to be this other thing too. That wasn't my uh, one. I was curious for myself about that, but then, you know, what do you yeah. think is your, what do you think is your thing? You know, what is your, your trademark? Uh, I'd like to think that my trademark is my nerdiness, is my my love for just anything nerdy. I am a, I walk out to Power Rangers. Um, I've done yeah, that. Yeah, that threw me off, man. I'm, I, that that threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I watched Power Rangers all through my childhood. I actually watched it way farther than just my childhood. Um, and it's continued. It's still something I'll watch if I want to. Um, I, when I walked out, I had a Naruto headband on. Uh, aside from just my mask, I had a Naruto headband, which is an anime that I watch that I love. Uh, it's just it's just a part of me. And that's, that's kind of the side that I like to extend out. So I feel like I can connect with people at a different way there. And I like having fun. I like everybody comes out to all this real hardcore music or – makes it all serious on their walkout. And I, I'm serious when I'm walking out, but I want my walkout to just be fun. I want people to so, remember it and just have a fun time whenever I fight. So my tweet during your walkout was, 
Benson walking out to the Power Rangers theme song. Get this guy a UFC fight kit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was fun. The first time I did yeah, it, I remember, I remember people were slowly catching on, and I could hear some of the laughter as people were like, hey, I think I know what this is. I think I know what this <laughs> is. But it doesn't start off. It's because it's the full version with the guitar. People don't expect it until they hear that breakout of Go Go Power Rangers. Yeah. It just starts off with an awesome guitar solo. And that's what I love about it is that it will catch people that don't know right away <laughs> off guard. And I can just, every time, I can always hear that breakout of laughter. It kind of <laughs> fills my spirit yeah. right before I get in the stage. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I grew up watching Naruto too. So, I mean, I understand where you're coming from with that. But, uh, I mean, like you said, you talked about, like, some of your interests and stuff. So when you're not training or getting ready for a fight, do you have any other, like, hobbies or interests or anything like that? Yeah, I'm back, well, I'm in college, and I do, I'm a college student, and I do programming and uh, computer science. That's my major. But my, uh, my passion, what I love doing is either watching anime or I'm going to be playing video games. That's like, if I can just do those two things and train, my life would be complete. If I could just play video games, watch anime, and fight people, I would be the happiest camper on earth, and nobody could take me off my pedestal. But, I mean, even at home, I have, I have my computer that I've built. I have my Xbox. I have my PlayStation. I have my Wii. Um, I, it's, it's my favorite thing to do is just play games and watch anime. Yeah, definitely, man. And this is just, like, a personal, like, question. I was like, you know, like, what are some of your favorite, like, you know, video games or games or, you know, anime? Like, do you have any, like, favorite uh, uh, specifics of the genre? That's that's tough. I would say RPGs are my favorite game. Uh, Because I have a list of games that are, like, on my top five. I can't rank them above each other. And that would be Dragon Age, the first Dragon Age, Mass Effect, Knights of the Old Republic, uh, and probably, I'm thinking Halo 3, kind of like the whole Halo series. Um, that's those, that's, so probably RPGs would be my favorite, but the, I have a list of games. The Assassin's Creed series I've always been a huge fan of since the beginning. And then uh, anime series, I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say Dragon Ball Z was my favorite. I grew oh, up course, watching yeah. Dragon Ball Z, and that was my <laughs> That was my deal. Um, but I love Naruto. I love Tokyo Ghoul, Attack on Titan, all of those. I, I mean, I have a subscription to Crunchyroll, and I watch 90% of my Jap- my anime in Japanese and just read the subtitles anyways now because I get tired of waiting for the dub to come out. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Do you and uh, – because I know Sam Toomer, he, uh, he's a guy who's part of the team and challenged for the, the belts at RFA and – super talented. Do you guys ever do like anime uh, role play on the mats or he, he <laughs> talks about how big he's into it? <laughs> we, um, Sam's relatively newer to our team. And uh, as I've gotten to know him, I've really seen, because when I first got to know him, I had no idea that he had this, uh, this hidden love for anime too. Uh, and then come to find out that in his face off pictures, he wears uh, the hollow mask for Ichigo from Bleach. And I died when I saw that. Um, no, I mean, I wouldn't say role-playing in general, but, I mean, I would be lying if I didn't do a Kamehameha wave every once in a while when I see one of my other teammates. And we'll joke around that way. I mean, me, MF, my kickboxing coach, Sam Tumor, uh, Mike, Michael Hutching, or Olsen now, uh, 
we all talk about anime all the time. Even like we'll do a training session, we'll finish up our training and then we'll start talking about either the newest Marvel movie, we'll talk about the comics, we'll talk about anime that's coming out, we'll ask each other what we've seen, what we haven't seen. Uh, we're just a big collection of nerds and we all have fun doing it. Has anyone ever said you kind of resemble Sage Northcutt? Yes, yes, people have. <laughs> okay, so so when that happens, it's like you because I kind of thought that when you were fighting, I was like, hey, kind of looks like Sage Northcutt, but uh, you didn't tap, dude. So you know you might look like him, but you you don't tap. Uh, and then my last my my last thought it's it's not really a question. It's more of um, something I wanted to share with you that that you didn't hear. Uh, so when the amateurs were done, there was an intermission between Intel pros and I tried to run to the back and, um, you know, just say, you know, congratulations to you and, and Andrew and, uh, you just like, man, you killed it. Good job. Uh, and I, I ran into Mike guy and I was like, man, he Blake killed it, man. That was awesome. And he, he, without even blinking, he's like, yeah, man, his balls are dragging on the ground. <laughs> Awesome, he pulled man. that on me like three times after the fights. <laughs> he he stopped me. He pulled me aside, and he started. I started looking at my feet, and he's acting like I'm stepping on something. And I stand there for I could you not like two minutes, picking up my feet, thinking I stepped on like our gym spider or some like bug that we had befriended in the back room. And then last second, he goes, "Oh no, dude, you're stepping on your balls." I was like, "Oh my god, you got me!" It's the second time. He got me walking out of the cage, too. I almost jumped off the stairs because I thought I was stepping on something. Oh, funny. He didn't even flinch when he did it, dude. It was awesome. So, right on. Nice. That guy's funny. All right, and then uh, before we get out of here, if you want to throw out any uh, sponsors or anything along those lines, what was yours? Uh, yeah, sure. I'd actually like to thank Norwood Construction, uh, Stanford Mortgage Company, Juice Plus, and uh, SBS, and, of course, MMA Gold. Uh, I couldn't do what I do without them. And uh, they've really, really helped me as far as training costs and getting gear get gotten to me and nutrition supplements. And this last weight cut would have gone really brutally had uh, I not had some help from some of those sponsors. So it's much appreciated from them. All right. Well, uh, Blake, uh, we definitely look forward to seeing you fight in the future. And, men, we just want to uh, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a blast. And that was Blake Benson. Thank you very much for tuning in. I want to thank Dave Madden for setting up the interview and helping us co-host. Dave, where can people find you at? Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And I, I think it is just so important we chat with amateurs because, you know, they are the next, uh, you know, people we watch. And so anyways, yeah, catch me at Facebook, Dave Madden, uh, Twitter, D Madden MMA. And yeah, thanks again. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you. And, of course, a big thanks to Rob Mead, who runs everything on our site. Rob, where can people reach you at? Uh, if you want to follow me, you can uh, check me out on Twitter, uh, at Rob Mead MMA, Twitter, uh, at FunkyMonkeyMMA, or you can check out our website, FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. If you want to get in touch with the show, send an email over to FunkyMonkeyMMA at gmail.com. All right, man, sounds good. And like Rob said, make sure to like us on Facebook, Follow us on Twitter at FunkyMonkeyMMA. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Kane E. Miller. And keep up with the site for the latest interviews, event photos, and analysis pieces. We'll see you next time.
You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cash Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, LoveMMA.com, MMARecords.com, and FightBookMMA.com. Funky Monkey Radio is sponsored by Altercation Clothing. If you never back down, then you're ready for an altercation. For the freshest news and notes on all things MMA, get over to FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to funkymonkeymma at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. MMA fans, are you looking for something to set you apart? Then check out altercationclothing.com. Altercation Clothing is a brand with attitude, offering fans and fighters alike a variety of specialty shirts. If you won't back down, then you're ready for an altercation. Altercation Clothing can be found on Facebook at facebook.com slash altercationclothing. Altercation Clothing is a proud sponsor of Funky Monkey MMA Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. 